Will you pray with me? Lord, may the meditation of all of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When you last left Jesus last week, the wise men had come bringing gifts, three gifts for the baby, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These wise men realized that their fearless leader didn't really like sharing the limelight with anyone, that Herod was hungry for power, and not wanting to share the limelight had issued an order that all baby boys two and under should be killed. And then they watched as these words, to be continued, scrolled across the screen. What happened next, you ask? Well, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and told him to pack up his family in the minivan and get them to Egypt. After Herod died, the angel came back, minivan again, all gassed up, and said the disaster has passed. Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take his life are dead. But the team of angels weren't quite finished invading Joseph's dreams. Once he was there, he was warned in yet another dream that it was actually Herod's son who was running the joint now, and he wasn't really that great either. And he'd better leave Judea and go to Nazareth. And that is how Joseph became a Nazarene, how Jesus became a Nazarene. Check it. It's all in that end of the second chapter of Matthew, if you want to read that story. The Gospel of Matthew goes on to tell the Cousin John story, too, but we read from the Gospel of Mark this morning because there's something about Mark's urgency to tell the story of good news. It focuses almost totally on Jesus, which I really think that selfless John would have appreciated. John the Baptist understood that the message of God's love has to be balanced with the message of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John knew that for those times we take our eyes off of God's love, we have to find a way back. We have to name the sin and acknowledge the need to repent. Now, some of you have been around a three-year-old, they're darling and full of energy, but they are still developing a, <clears throat> a personal restraint the attention span of a gnat and the willpower of a gadfly comes to mind. And a loving father or maybe a loving grandmother would not allow them to touch a hot stove. A loving father would not encourage them to run to their friend's house and use the road. A loving father would teach them not to hit or bite or scream for their own way. A loving father would teach them um, to apologize to say, that's wrong, say you're sorry. Biting's not acceptable, they would teach them. Apologize. Tell your brother or your sister you're sorry, give them a hug, repent, and do it differently. And in the next moment, that loving father would be kind, and that little three-year-old would get to start all over again. Naming the sin is the first step. Oh, geez, this substitute retired pastor is going to talk about sin. Yeah, yes, I am. Because acknowledging it, showing regret, receiving forgiveness is the way to set down all the baggage that is accumulated in both arms full so that we don't have to carry it into 
2023 and we can get ready to receive all that God has planned. This is not the message we like to hear. We like to just sing more carols and eat more peanut brittle. I get it. I like basking in the afterglow of Christmas too, but our world's not letting us bask these days. You and I have lived through a really rocky couple of years, pandemic, shutdown, isolation, loss of jobs, loss of loved ones, division, polarizing of politics, and unsettling decisions in our own beloved United Methodist denomination. Gas prices, grocery prices, war in Ukraine, the news cycle is always ready to give us the next thing to be unsettled and anxious about. And I don't know about you, but I have had gut responses to so many of these things, reactions, words, at best just thoughts that have surprised me about myself. Oh, this is who I am when I'm isolated, when pushed, when questioned about my politics. So when the fresh start of a year coincides with Jesus' baptism, I'm reminded that God is up to something. In order for us to live as forgiven people, we need to repent of our sins. And it just so happens that this is the week in the lectionary that we're reminded of Jesus' baptism and asked to remember our own baptismal vows. The first question that we are asked at a baptism is, on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? And I have never had anyone, never, say, wait, 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 is there spiritual forces of wickedness? What's that? Evil powers? I've never had anyone ask. We know it. We just don't talk about it. And I've never had anyone question if they sin. Mark's gospel does not begin with the genealogy or the birth story of Jesus. That's Matthew. It just starts with a sprint out of the gate. Perhaps Mark knew the truth that for God to be all loving, it means that God won't tolerate our sin. A God who loves us, holds us accountable for the wrong things that we do. A God that loves us, holds us and accountable and calls us to repentance so that we can experience forgiveness. Several years ago, in the midst of seminary, when I was working in the summer as a chaplain, I became good friends with a Unitarian Universalist pastor. She was great. I really liked her so much. She was loving and kind, a really good chaplain, but she was troubled. And I, I didn't understand why until toward the end of the summer when we finally had built enough trust. And she had told me that as a pastor, she had sinned and her church doesn't have the language for confession and repentance and forgiveness. And she yearned for a pathway back to the right standing with God. She was stuck. And without an understanding that we are sinners in need of grace and a pathway to forgiveness, she couldn't lay down the darkness that, that had settled over her and ask for forgiveness and begin again. Stuck's a hard place to be. The Gospel of Mark is a fast-paced, say-it-simply kind of book. And it begins with a prophecy and a voice. 
a camel hair leather belt kind of voice. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Get your life straight. Now, that might not sound like your best plan to begin something new for 2023, but the the people in John the Baptist's time were flocking out into the desert region. All of Jerusalem and the whole Judean countryside, it said, standing in line to receive what John was offering. Jerusalem was always the place that people went up to. No matter where they were traveling from, they went up to Jerusalem. And this passage tells us that all the people of Jerusalem were leaving there to go to the Jordan River. Now, what on earth is going on in Jerusalem? Why couldn't they go to their temple in the center of where they lived? I, I don't know. I think they had just heard the message of what John was doing at the Jordan, and they yearned to be able to confess, to verbalize repentance, and to receive forgiveness. Honestly, so do I. I wish I could sit down with you right now and ask each of you what you need to confess for yourself, for your family, for your city, for the nation, for our church. And as we stand in the gap for our nation, what might it be? Now, justice doesn't always come from the center. Like Jerusalem, sometimes we have to walk out of the center of power and leadership in order to find the clarity that comes with confession and repentance and go walk to the edge. God met these folks at the banks of the Jordan River called through the faith of John the Baptist, and something holy happened. At that riverbank, Jesus was standing in line to be in God's presence. Jesus was willing to be like us, to show us, to help us imagine, feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is holy. In that moment, God, with a huge whiteboard eraser, delegitimizes wrong power arrangements, moves from the center of hope, moves the center of hope from people and status to repentance and forgiveness. Do I think that this can speak to us today? Do I think that repentance and asking forgiveness is key to our right standing with God today? Yes. Yes, I do. And I'm so glad that here at the beginning of the year, 2023, a time of reorienting and renewing, we read this passage of Jesus' baptism and are reminded of our own vows. That first question, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, repent the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? And then the second question, do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? John was asking these questions and baptizing with water. Not every biblical character is a person of personal integrity. There are some real doozies in that book we read. But John, he lived to prepare the way of Jesus. He was selfless. He would become less so that Jesus could become more. But first, he reminded people of the importance of confession and turning their lives around. Repentance. And then he reminded them that they could trust, that God had heard their words and that they were forgiven. Jesus baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit, and he used water as a symbol of washing us clean. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that was now living inside each person. 
that gave a constant companion for courage and strength and conviction and discernment. We were reminded, we were reminded this week that at some point the division and disrespect and distrust and hateful rhetoric in our country finally boiled over into violence against each other. We cannot unsee those January 6th images. But what do we do with them? It's the same as we see those images of war in Ukraine. What do we do with them? We took a vow to renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of our sin. Have you? Have you asked the Holy Spirit to examine your conversation and respect for the other? And have you repented of your sin? To renounce wickedness and reject evil powers, that takes discernment, doesn't it? Discernment. Because of our baptism, because of the Holy Spirit in us, we can discern the spiritual forces of wickedness. We can recognize the evil powers of this world. We can be convicted of sin and be convicted to resist, but we got to call on the Holy Spirit. Are you? Or are you just rehearsing the narrative that supports your belief? There is a come to Jesus time for all of us, and it's now. I don't want this kind of world for my grandchildren or for the next generation or yours. Power and arrogance have grieved the spirit within us, and that's not a good place to be. After 40 years of having the same wallpaper in our bathroom, it was steamed off this past week. That steamer worked like a champ. It came off in whole strips. It was amazing. The room looks great. But the truth is, it left the old paste on the wall and some nail holes. And we could leave it and we could just paint over it. It would look okay enough but it isn't going to play out well. It's not going to look good over time. You'll be able to see what's underneath. When you discern it's still there, when you recognize the marks, if you leave it, you ain't going to be rid of it. Same thing with discerning and dealing with sin, with the spiritual forces of wickedness. The next question asked at our baptism gives us an anchor to steady ourselves. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you? And if you do, do you realize that it makes all the difference in the world? Because we need saving. The human condition has been on full display. We are a vulnerable, malleable group of human beings. Good people can be deceived. People have perpetuated lies. Good people need to get back to the basics of their baptism vows. Do you put your whole trust in Jesus' grace and promise to serve him as your Lord? Your ability to discern spiritual forces, evil powers, right from wrong, depends on your willingness to seek the way of Jesus. This three-year-old grandson of mine who is learning how to navigate life, he's a toddler. But soon he'll be in grade school, then junior high. And if he wants to learn how to play the trumpet or basketball or work the tech table in church, he's going to need to learn and to train. Playing an instrument takes practice. Being really good at a sport takes discipline. Learning how to draw or paint requires maybe classes. Why would we think that confessing Jesus Christ as our Savior 
And learning to trust in Jesus' grace and finding ways to serve him as Lord is just magically developed in us. It isn't. It just isn't. We have to practice and train and we have to hone our discernment, leaning on the Holy Spirit. What is your plan to ponder this truth of scripture and how it applies to 2023 in January? How will you use your star word and let it shine on growing in faith in this next year? Are you willing to do the hard work? Those who come after us, they deserve it. They're counting on it. Jesus walked with people into the waters of forgiveness that day. We're in those waters today, my friend, and they are churning. Jesus opened the kingdom of heaven for us. The spirit descended on him that day, and the spirit has descended on us too. I pray that you will open yourself up to receive all the Holy Spirit has for you. Remembering your baptism is remembering that forgiveness is ours. New life is ours in that instant. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.